0: following is a production of aw360 advertising week's year-round content platform for the advertising and marketing industries aw360 features thought leadership articles podcasts and original video series from the best and the brightest in the industry from all around the world for more on aw360 visit 360.advertisingweek.com welcome to the sonic truth podcast I'm Scott Simonelli, the CEO and co-founder of Veritonic, the audio effectiveness platform. In this episode, we were joined by another great creative, David Horowitz, Executive Creative Director of New York-based agency Mechanism. He spoke to us about how important audio signatures and sonic branding are to the work he's been doing with HBO, and why some of his clients are thinking about creating their own podcasts. It's a great interview by Scott Klass, a colleague, friend, and audio marketing expert. I will leave you in his capable hands. So I'm here with
1: David Horowitz, Executive Creative Director for Mechanism. Welcome, David. Hello, thank you. Great to have you. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into the role that you're, you're in right now.
2: Sure. Uh, well, I've been at Mechanism for nine years, which sounds like a long time, I'm sure. But I, I got here in a very, uh, a little bit of a, of a, I wouldn't say roundabout way, but a somewhat untraditional way. Um, started as a copywriter uh, at J. Walter Thompson many years ago. And from there, moved uh, to MTV uh, on-air promos, so I was sort of a head writer, and then eventually started um, directing some of the things that, that I was writing. And we were working on you know, everything from a show launch to PSAs to sort of brand image campaigns. Um, and so, yeah, over the course of a few years, started directing a lot of the things I was writing, which was an amazing opportunity. And that led me really into a, sort of a career as a, as a director, a commercial director, for a number of years here in the States and also um, doing work in Europe as well. And, uh, you know, it's you get that sort of grass is always greener uh, feeling when you're when you're writing. You, you're like, I want to be a director. I want to be able to have the sort of final say. And when you're directing, you're obviously getting work from other people and you start thinking, how would I have written that? Or, you know, I kind of wish I was coming up with the ideas, which led me to Mechanism. Uh, at the time, uh, Mechanism was sort of a, really more in the sort of, uh, production company space, uh, sort of doing longer form content, digital content. This is when microsites and uh, sort of content series, video series were really just starting uh, you know, on the, on the web as opposed to TV. And uh, yeah, I had an opportunity with Mechanism at the time to be able to sort of write and creative direct and then also direct uh, the work that, that we were coming up with for clients or for agencies. So uh, that's sort of how I started working at Mechanism. And then, yeah, I was, you know, over the years, um, uh, as the needs of the market changed and just sort of our relationship with clients and we started working more and more direct to client as opposed to through agencies. And uh, over time, we sort of became more of a a full service agency where we had, you know, we were AOR or or on retainer um, with a number of these clients. And uh, so, yeah, that sort of moved me into the area of sort of creative directing but still being able to, at times, uh, direct since that is a, a big part of my background. So running, yeah. running the gamut of creative yeah. detail. Yeah, very rare uh, opportunity, but but really interesting. Yeah, let's talk about the audio piece in particular sure. for a yeah. second,
1: because as we all know, that's the format and channel du jour. Yeah, the audio is hot. We're living in the you know the headphone generation. I think Pandora. Um, coined that um so tell me about uh what are you doing with with regard to audio in particular
2: yeah i i was um just thinking about this it's it's funny i'd say over the last you know six months to a year more and more you have clients that are sort of really uh wanting to include things like podcasts um or spotify uh in their in their sort of creative you know suite of of um of deliverables the marketing mix yeah exactly Uh, you know, especially podcasts, I'm a big podcast listener and I think there's something obviously very intimate, sort of get this, um, there's more of this intimate relationship with, uh, you know, with whatever show you're listening to and the voices of those people uh, and I think with the phenomenon that was Serial and some other high, high profile podcasts where brands sort of were built from nothing uh, by their association with those podcasts, I think really caught a lot of uh, clients' attention and um, so you feel like your relationship with clients is, is changing based on the,
1: this sort of new em- emphasis on audio?
2: Yeah, I think it's less uh, my relationship with clients than I think clients' relationship with, with using audio as a, one of the channels. You know, uh, it's funny on the flip side, you have um, social media, which uh, from, a, from a video standpoint is a sound off environment. You know, it's sort of the exact opposite end of the spectrum where um, Instagram and Facebook you're, you're sort of developing creative, uh, assuming that people won't have the sound on and won't hear what your, what your message is or, or, you know, any audio cues. And, you know, that's its own, I think challenge, but it's also its own opportunity. What are, what are creative solutions you can use in order to encourage people to turn the sound on right. or using the fact that it's an audio free environment, um, to your advantage in some way that still has to, you still have to take into account the idea of audio, but its absence, as opposed to its sort of its presence. Yeah, are
1: are any clients coming to you uh, with some of the, some of the more sort of um, vanguard goals with regard to audio,
2: like leveraging smart speakers, for example? Absolutely, I think smart speakers um, has has been something. Certain clients for whom it makes sense, where they feel like they can you know take advantage of that technology, uh, I've definitely seen that as well. Um, you know, I think this is you know again new to a lot of clients as it is new to a lot of agencies. So. Um, people, I think, are still experimenting with the right. best way to do it, uh, and, and sort of how to make it feel like it's integrated and, and makes sense for the brand, and isn't just sort of used as a sort of gimmick or um, or a one-off engagement. You right. Know? Right. You know? uh,
1: tell me a little bit about uh, your approach to making creative. Yeah. Whether it's audio in particular or creative in general, how much of it is purely hunch-based or some mm-hmm. combination of hunch-based with some some measurement, some data.
2: Yeah. Well, it's really interesting. Especially with audio, um, I feel like that is, or has been at least in the past, really something that is a, a, a hunch-based or sort of an intuitive thing. You know, what, how does this voice uh, make me feel? You know, when you're casting 100 voiceovers, you're really just going off feeling. Um, and maybe that's not the smartest thing to do. And, and I, you know, I, I'm, I'm very interested in the idea that you could actually test to understand, you know, how someone hears something differently if it 's this female voice versus a male voice for example, right. or a, or a lower voice versus a more uh, higher voice or an announcery voice versus a buddy of yours talking, uh, and the same goes for music too mm-hmm. you know audio, I think more than anything sets the tone of um of a piece of creative, you know literally obviously the tone, but also just how it makes you feel yeah uh, you can have wild swings in sort of emotionally how you react to something based on your use of music and your use of yeah. sound design. Uh, so it's a, it's a huge part of certainly everything that, that we do with, with creative. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it does tend to be, you know, I think very few things do people have stronger opinions about than music. Uh, exactly. Music is, yeah. is um, I think something that most people think of comes from the gut and the heart right. and not the brain. And everyone wants to be the expert on music. Too, everyone right? wants to be the expert and it's completely subjective. Yeah. Uh, and it's, you know, it's the kind of thing that everyone has experience with. Everyone listens to music. Sure, so, yeah. you know, I might not have an opinion about <laughs> what a shot looks like or what actor is good, but music I, I understand and yeah. I, can, I can weigh in on that. Yeah, it's yeah. true.
1: I know you've done a bunch of work with HBO. Yeah. Tell, tell me a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, we've been uh, working with HBO for about three, three and a half years. Uh, and actually, um, we finished just last year a project that was very much based on this idea of audio and the power of audio and the power of sort of mnemonic uh, audio devices. Anyone who's familiar with HBO knows that they have this sort of iconic sound. So you're talking about like ear-cons, like functional sounds. Yes, yes, exactly. This sort of, um, the static uh, sound that would come before every show and then resolve in this sort of choral-ah yep. sound. Yep. And, you know, the... The project didn't start as like, okay, we want to somehow use audio uh, to to remind people about HBO or to, to, you know, make a message about HBO. But in thinking about, um, you know, the landscape of streaming services, Hulu and Netflix, all these new streaming, ser- relatively new streaming services were coming. And we wanted to sort of define, well, what is HBO? What is the HBO thing that... Right that everyone kind of intuitively knows is distinct. You hear a show is coming out on HBO and it, there's a certain level of expectation, I think, still uh, because HBO has such a sort of brand sure. signature in people's mind. How do we communicate that? What is it? And we sort of, after a lot of, you know, thinking about it, we sort of came to this, this device, this audio device, mm-hmm. um, thinking both, you know, how do you... Uh, when people hear that sound... There's a certain expectation of what's to come next, yeah. you know, and you can see online people's comments about, you know, you hear that sound and they think curb your enthusiasm. They, right. they hear the, they actually hear the, the, um, the soundtrack of whatever show they love coming on next, the Sopranos theme. Yeah, or so the, a lot of
1: that's just about the contextual, like they're, they're side by side. Exactly. Right? Yeah.
2: Exactly. And, and we sort of wanted to give greater meaning to what that sound does for you. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, we landed on this idea. It's really this feeling of anticipation and expectation that that's what that static and that awe resolve does. It it puts you in a mindset to expect something that's exceptional, something that's unforgettable, something that you haven't seen before, Mm -hmm. uh, which is something very unique to HBO, you know, as as far as, you know, priming you almost. It's the sound that primes you to be excited um, based on. Your experience with other with other shows, you sure. know, like so, I hear that sound and I hear the Curb Your Enthusiasm theme, right? right. And now when I hear it before Big Little Lies or before uh, Succession, I still have this feeling of anticipation. So, and we, everyone probably has their own version of that. Everyone too, has their, their own version shows they watch. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that that's what connects everything on HBO. You know, that's what makes something an HBO show is. Not just that the fact that obviously the sound is before every show, but the feeling you have of anticipation of okay, this is a new show from HBO. I'm expecting a certain level of of excellence, a certain level of uh, of uh, quality, yep. a certain level of sort of I have never seen this before. Yep. So, uh, do you foresee
1: yourself getting into a lot? That's I, I would qualify
2: yeah. that as sonic
1: branding, yeah, audio for sure. logo, things like that. Um, is, are you, are you shifting that way? Is
2: that something you've always done? It's something it's, it's interesting because it's, um, I I do think it's very effective. I mean, I think it's clearly been very effective for HBO. Now, when they first created that thing 25 years ago, I don't know if they ever expected that that would become the signature thing for the brand, but it, but it really does. I think that's maybe the, the power of this kind of audio signature, um, it seems like the kind of thing that you really only realize works uh, in retrospect or maybe many years later. Obviously, there are ways to, to test it, but, uh, you know, Intel Inside and all these sort of sure. these chimes, yeah. you know, they sort of enter the consciousness uh, of the public after time. I don't know if you can anticipate that that's going to happen when you're creating it, though, you know? Yeah. But I do think it is the kind of thing um, that can be very valuable. I mean, I, we were saying how if you think back to... Advertising that you remember from when you're a kid yeah. tends to be jingles. It tends to be the audio. musical yeah. audio yeah. things that stick with you. Um, you might remember a piece of dialogue from some famous commercial that you've probably seen many times since. But a local commercial for you know the local car dealership or or you know uh, uh, restaurant, you know you can sing that that sure. jingle. You can hum that song you know, 20, 30 years later. Yeah. I what's think that's,
1: yeah. yeah. And interesting about right now is that that's a universal, that that's yes. always been around what's happening now is yes. that is culture and technology is sort of not, is catching up to that and really yeah. helping to drive that. I think that's why we're at such a interesting place right now with audio marketing. Tell me about uh, the most incredible piece of creative audio or otherwise that you ever saw that's not yours
2: yeah well there's um it's funny in, in thinking in terms of audio uh this actually is a spot that's purely visual in some ways but it it's use of audio or, or in some ways it's lack of audio was really sort of the idea um it was a volkswagen spot I, I think it was a european spot uh where it was basically comprised of shots of sort of typical sort of car running footage where you know, going around the corner of a, a leafy street or uh, around the edge of a cliff, you know, l- overlooking a beautiful ocean or, you know, sort of the POV of the car. Or you can imagine the car whooshing by, but there was no car in the spot. It was just empty roads and just the sound, just little hints of sound of like the whoosh of a car or the leaves blowing. And it, you know, it's it's that radio thing of theater of the mind. They're sure. sort of using that, um, both the familiar sounds and, and obviously these, these sort of shots that you're so familiar with seeing in a car commercial with taking the car out. It, it was just very evocative, and I think the use of sound in that commercial... Sure. and you focus there was not,
1: more on the sound because you're not looking at the car.
2: Exactly, you focus yeah. more on the sound, and, and I think, you know, relying on the audience to sort of build the story based on those sounds I thought was really interesting and, and definitely inspiring. I mean, you know, I think of sound as, like, one of the, one of the tools, you know? It's just one of the tools available. Um, I do think sometimes it is overlooked. You know, I think a mm-hmm. lot of times... Uh, people start thinking, okay, what are you? What are we going to see? What's the joke going to be? What's the? What are we looking at? You know, right? Um, which is interesting, since talking about what you remember from things five, ten years later, it's the sound. It's the sound of the the voice of um, you know, the most interesting man in the world, right. like that voiceover sound and that musical, you know, the musical notes. It works in TV. It works in radio. The second that comes on, you've got the branding. Yeah, yep. which is interesting because obviously a lot of brands, you know, in today's world where people don't have a long attention span, if they ever did, they want to get branding sort of right up front, you know, that usually means let's see the product, let's see the logo, let's say the name of the brand. But to be able to do that with an audio signature, whether it's the voiceover talent or a musical hit without having to say the name of the brand is very powerful and is definitely something that um, I think could be used even more. Sure, sure.
1: Uh, and and supplementary to that, um, we've we've done research with other uh, clients who that proves that or that shows that uh, a combination of that sonic tag with the you know with the actual brand name can actually be very powerful as well. So I mean, there's there's all these sort of subtle manipulations you can do that can that can sort of drive the effectiveness of these things. So it's very cool. Um, and tell me about the creative that you're most proud of that you did.
2: Uh, that's a very hard question. <laughs> um, I mean, look, we're, we're certainly proud of the the work we were able to do with HBO and, and the the campaign I was describing to you. I mean, it was exciting that um, just from a sort of scale, like, you know, the idea that we wanted to use all of this, all the HBO talent uh, in some way that really paid off their characters um, and paid off the brand in, in some way, but, but also in a way that was very modular and that could that we could do from a production standpoint so i, I think in some ways just the way that came together and, and then the end result is something definitely Um, one of the things i'm most proud of for uh-huh. sure uh uh huh
1: oh. uh 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 yeah bitches i think they just want the uh not the yeah bitches that's stupid
0: uh uh, uh-huh. uh cats <laughs>
2: You know, I think from a creative standpoint, creatives are often afraid of testing, Right. you know? Right, um, that's
1: very, very true.
2: Yeah, and uh, I'm curious about how at what stage the audio testing tends to come into play is it in deciding what type of music or what type of voice is going to work or is it testing after the fact and going oh well that piece of music isn't doing what you want it to do or
1: yeah it's interesting because i th- i think that historically most of this kinds of thi- this this kind of stuff happens either in flight or after the fact, right? I mean, we were uh, down at radio show recently and they're talking a lot about attribution now, which is something that digital talked about 15 years ago. Um, but you know, finding out what, what worked after the fact. Um, and I think that there's, there's an argument to be made that pre-testing creative. So when you're, you're going out to market with confidence that you're putting out the most effective thing possible has a lot of value. Um, so, um, we're, we're seeing that you know prove out with with a lot of clients and I don't know if that's something that you as a, as a creative agency think to look at
2: or yeah I mean it's it's funny it's not something that has come up all that often I think you know advertising, is funny in some ways is it's still very much an intuitive business. Yeah. I think most people think right. of it right. very intuitive before right? Yeah, you got a hunch about audio that's what you go with. I think, you know, I think people like comedy. I think people are more engaged by comedy. I think people, you know, this kind of music will will be attractive to someone. And uh I'm always interested in like, well, what do we know actually? Exactly. What have we learned yeah. over yeah. 70 years, you know? Like because clearly we must have learned something. Uh-huh. Um, uh, there's always going to be this intuitive, you know. Th- th- I think that's the part of the business we all like is still the creative aspect of it, where it's it's not um, an algorithm. You know, there's still it's still a human business where it still requires humans to right. to to do it. Sure, um, but going into a like I said, going into a voiceover uh, casting where. You're looking at, you're listening to hundreds of voices that are barely differentiated. Right. And having something to go on besides just your own gut of, oh, I like that voice. I don't like that voice. Yeah. Uh, I'd be curious about how. And even how you can do that, how do you approach that?
1: Yeah. I mean, and it's interesting, for, I mean, there, there are different kinds of scenarios, right? So I think in certain cir- circumstances, like we were talking about George Lucas choosing James Earl Jones, right? He, he had maybe one more choice who was Orson Welles. But otherwise, right. he knew he wanted that thing and nobody was going to get in the way of that decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are those really huge decisions. and But then there, are, there's kind of what you're talking about when, when there's there's scale, right? There's a lot of creative to go through. There are a lot of voices to go through. How do you get through all of that? And still be able to make uh, a more informed decision.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, and what data do you have that you can use to help you know sell a client on you know creating a, an audio tag or a, or a mnemonic device that goes with the with the brand? You know, outside of just anecdotal, like look at Intel, look at these other brands where clearly it's worked. Yeah. Um, I think that data would be very interesting, and I would love to see that data personally. Yeah. yeah. You know? Well, it's
1: it's starting to exist now. I think. I mean, part of what's new is just the the um, the impulse to actually test audio creative in the same way that other types of creative have been tested in the past. And for some reason, audio has kind of just lagged behind. And radio, in particular, um, those guys have been uh, just because they were so much of a standard. What I've heard from close clients is that. the, the data just didn't exist or no, nobody questioned it. Right. But when they did start to look at the data, all these great revelations started to come out. You were talking about the difference between male and female voices a couple of minutes ago. There's been a lot of data now done by everyone from Westwood One to Pandora um, that showed that female voiceovers are way more impactful on consumers, both male and female, than male voiceovers. But historically, yeah. you know what's happening. 80% of voiceovers are 80, male. 90%, yeah, sure. right? They've yeah. all been men. So when you when you can start to look at this kind of data, uh, and and get these this, these revelations
2: about creative data, you start talking about some market transformational stuff. Well, I think you've also seen a trend, you know, over the last I don't know how many years of of celebrity voiceover, mm-hmm. where you, you most people probably couldn't even identify that it is a celebrity or who the celebrity is, but if you know and you read the trades or if you just are attuned to it, you can tell. That's Fred Savage's voice. That's right. John Ham, you know. Um does the consumer know that? Does it matter? Right. Uh you know, again, I think a lot of those decisions I would imagine get made as a sort of gut decision. Yeah. The know? same happens with things like uh when deciding music, right? Because
1: mm-hmm. yeah. I think there's probably some tendency if you can get Springsteen, for example, or if you can if you can afford to buy the Springsteen track. You want to, you'll try to use the Springsteen track because right. you assume that people automatically associate with that and it'll make for more effective audio creative. Yeah. Um, that that may or may not be true. I think there, there's been some data, I, I won't go into particulars, but there's been some data that shows that um, it can be just as, as effective for certain emotions if you use a generic track. Right. And obviously you're saving a lot of money by not using the premium yeah. uh, um, track. So the broad point I think is if the data is there, it's important to look at and, and you're going you know, to make better decisions. You can arguably save money.
2: Well, I, I wonder too, I mean, you know, you were talking about how, uh, obviously we, it's funny, we live in a very visual world now with the, the phone, but and it, almost on a, a separate track, it's a very audio-based world because of Spotify and podcasts and everyone has headphones in constantly. Yep. Um, just the relationship that, that people have when they're listening to something versus looking at something. You know, and if you've sort of opted into a, a podcast or um, you know a, a a playlist that you're that you're really invested in and that you have a relationship with, does that impact how you hear the the advertising? You mm-hmm. know, does it make it more palatable? Because oh, this is supporting something I've, I really actively love. You know, I think podcasts, there's a certain ownership feeling oh, absolutely. From, from the listener to the Yeah, if you've to, to the, show. the
1: Malcolm Gladwell podcast, exactly. Like, that's exactly what that's about. And
2: then, you know, there's a huge trend now of just sort of host-delivered, you know, ad copy. It's like yeah. going back to the 1950s, you know, it's brought right. to you by, yeah. you know. Uh, and what's the value of that? What's the value of that sort of implicit endorsement, uh, you know, versus cutting in with a pre-produced, add i mean this right. all seems this all seems like it's happening now you know this is all sort of of the moment yeah um and i feel like clients are really just starting to realize well maybe we should be in podcasts you know uh, maybe we should be we should be in that world because yeah. you know if you listen to it you feel like this is really effective Absolutely. i wonder if there's data that backs yeah. this up you well know? certainly you're
1: deeply engaged right i mean if you're binging on you know again the gladwell show or whatever it is you love or serial um you couldn't couldn't be more engaged, and right. then you have that
2: host re, you know, reading the ad. Yeah,
1: that's one you're probably going to sit and listen to.
2: Well, and your brain's engaged in a different way too. I mean, with obviously podcasts are, are they're they're intellectually stimulating. A lot of them, not all of them, are, but there's a certain intellectual stimulation that comes along with you know podcasts. Right. Thinking of it as sort of AM radio almost. Sure, sure. And and just like what effect does it have then to get a message in that context when you're you're thinking? You know, when you're, you're actively seeking out knowledge, you know, yeah, this is something... Yeah. It feels elevated over g- yeah. general advertising. Right, as opposed to what you're doing when you're on Instagram, which exactly. is you, you want to see your friends. You want to connect with just... You want a quick hit of what's going on. Is advertising more disruptive in a, in a bad way in that yeah. sense? You know, is it sort of... Yeah, so it's
1: it's interesting. yeah. Very much so. And my
2: computer just died, so I great. think
0: that's the end of the that's interview. That's it. All right. Well, thank you that so much. That was great, man. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks Excellent. So. Excellent yeah. work. Ladies and gentlemen, David Harowitz. Until next time. You've been listening to a podcast production of AW360, the year-round content destination from Advertising Week. Visit AW360 at 360.advertisingweek.com and be sure to check out the other AW360 podcasts now available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Producers on this podcast are Richard Larson and Jack Hirschman, with music provided by Audio Network. For more information on Advertising Week, the world's largest gathering of advertising, marketing, and technology leaders, now in five markets around the globe, visit www.advertisingweek.com.